0: This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield.
1: It's the Morning Bulletin here on the Blood Red channel as we bring you your must-know stories from this morning's reports. I'm Guy Clark and on Wednesday the 23rd of September, these are your top stories. Premier League outline threat new restrictions could have on football. FSG's Nike kit gamble paying off as kit sale figures revealed. Wijnaldum's wish not granted by Liverpool was contract impasses reached and former Red to sign for Simeone while under-21s delivered a harsh lesson. All to come here on the morning bulletin from Blood Red. And to get into another morning's top stories, as ever, Matt Addison is alongside me. Matt, we didn't have a a bulletin yesterday with you finding out more for us on Diogo Jota. And after a busy few days, I think we've just about recovered now, haven't we?
0: Yeah, we certainly have. It was... uh as you say a very busy couple of days but a very exciting couple of days as well obviously not just Diogo Jota, but tiago alcantara as well we've got the the background on them all all across the the blood Red channel we've, you know, we've been discussing them giving our opinions on them and, and talking them to death really and and hopefully we see uh, a debut for for jota tomorrow and and hopefully he can uh, maybe get himself on the score sheet and, and get sort of kick off onto a a solid start for for his time in a red shirt because I think obviously there's been a lot of uh, positive talk about uh, Tiago Alcantara coming in understandably so given the sort of world-class level that we know he's got but I think Jota as well could be a slightly underrated signing for Liverpool I'm really looking forward to, to seeing how he starts
1: Yeah, and a comparison made with a a former Red who wore the number seven. Very interesting. We've more incidentally on him to come. But first up this morning, of course, there was the national address from the Prime Minister last night onto the, the situation we're all still currently living with. Apparently, it's obviously getting worse. Not good news there. And it's beginning to impact football. Both action last night in the Carabao Cup and the Premier League have had their say as well.
0: Yeah, it's uh, an interesting situation, isn't it? Obviously, we saw yesterday that there could be more restrictions across the country, certainly in England for the next six months or so, which I don't think is a massive surprise. Um, I think, obviously, we expected potentially once winter started to come back, potentially there could be more implications. But yeah, it looks like um, fan. well, definitely fans coming back in October has now been scrapped. Uh, that will be put back and, and postponed to a, a later date. Last night we had, as you say, Carabao Cup action beginning. Um, obviously, three nights of, of that this week, given the, the fixture congestion and that sort of thing. So, yeah, West Ham last night uh, playing at, at Hull City. David Moyes, a Diop, and Josh Cullen all tested positive in the build-up to that match. Seventy minutes or so before kick-off, inside the stadium, they were, you know, with their teammates. Um, But, of course, the game still went ahead. West Ham winning that one. I think it was 5-1 in the end. Certainly a a big scoreline for them. But, yeah, none of Hull's players were tested. West Ham did offer to to pay for those to take place. Hull decided they didn't want to be tested. Um, So, yeah, presumably all of these players, uh, well, including the the manager as well, David Moyes, presumably were mixing with each other um, before the game. Uh, But, yeah, the game went on instead obviously social distancing in place beforehand but you wonder whether there was uh, a little bit of a risk there of you know things being passed on given the um the positive tests obviously we know that tests uh, are not always 100 percent accurate but you know medically speaking it's uh generally more safe not to to take that risk so But testing at the moment is only mandatory for Premier League clubs. It's not mandatory for for EFL clubs at all. They don't have to do that, partly for financial reasons, I would imagine. Um, But yeah, last night we saw West Ham playing uh, despite positive tests. Meanwhile, Tottenham's game against Leighton Orient, I think Leighton Orient had, um, again, well had their tests paid for by Tottenham, uh, but their tests came back. They decided they wanted tests and I think 18 or, or so of those from Leighton Orient came back positive. That game was then called off. So looking ahead to, to Liverpool's game tomorrow, Liverpool, I believe, have, have done the same thing with Lincoln. They're going to pay for their tests to, to take place and as long as, as none of those come back positive, the, the game will be unaffected. So yeah, uh, it's it's going to be something we see Fairly frequently, not just obviously in the Carabao Cup, but going forward as well. I think, obviously, um, there's loads of of different tests and, and things that have to happen. There's so many people within football, not just players, but staff, managers, things like that as well. You know, it's it's inevitable at some point that Premier League matches will start to be impacted as well. So, yeah, but no fans for certainly um, a little bit longer. Probably now. Um, the full sort of winter period I would imagine it's going to be very difficult for, for people to get fans back into grounds I think we are going to see a few more disruptions with COVID-19 tests um, but fingers crossed those sort of tests have a minimal impact um, and hopefully the Premier League can can get continued and stuff like that because obviously we saw last season that the amount of, of disruption that that caused the delay uh, we're still sort of feeling the, the knock-on effects of that and of course Know lower down the leagues, teams like Hull, um, teams like Leighton Orient, you know, they're very much relying on fans coming back. I think not necessarily those specific two clubs, but certainly plenty of of clubs in and around them. You know, if they didn't have any fans for six months, potentially the entirety of of this season, that would put them in a a very difficult and, and very precarious financial position. So Plenty of, of different um, sort of interests and, and priorities to take care of. But yeah, some some big developments, I think, last night, obviously, with the the testing and with the fact that we found out yesterday that, you know, not just football, but, but any elite level sport is going to struggle to have supporters inside grounds for, for some time yet, I think.
1: Yeah, and as you said, the Premier League saying that they they're disappointed with the government's decision to to push things back, but we will have to wait and see how things do unfold. Incredible how things did play out at the the London Stadium last night, and Hull City head coach Grant McCann confirming after the game that they did refuse West Ham's offer to have testing ahead of the match. The mind really does boggle. But next, let's get on to cheerier news, and Liverpool, of course, moving away from New Balance at the end of last season as their kit supplier to sign their not-so-lucrative deal on paper with Nike that initially, I suppose, it wasn't. It was somewhat of a gamble, but it's a gamble that they've taken and it seems to have more than paid off. We've applauded Michael Edwards in the last week for his transfer dealings, Matt. Is it time now to praise Billy Hogan?
0: Well, I don't think it was necessarily a gamble pre-COVID-19. Obviously, when this deal was signed, um, you know, COVID 19 wasn't particularly something that people were thinking about. It had just started to to all kick off around January time, hadn't it? But I don't think anybody realized that the seriousness of it at that point in time. So it wasn't a, a huge gamble in that sense, but I suppose you're right. It was a, a gamble in the sense that the more shirts that get sold, the more Liverpool make from this deal. It's I think around 30 million pounds per season as a base figure, um, which is about 15 million or so less than what New Balance were giving them before. But of course, the more you sell, the more Liverpool get. I think it's a a 20% fee or or something like that on on however many they sell. So, yeah, the the more shirt sales Liverpool make, the more money they will have to spend in things like the transfer market. So, obviously, we've seen Liverpool spend uh, a significant amount of money in the last few days in the market. And I think probably that is at least slightly linked to this night kit deal. Obviously, uh, the news breaking yesterday was that it's a now a record breaking kit deal um it's you know that the sales have surpassed um pretty much everyone's expectations i think particularly obviously having since uh seen what covid19 has done to the economy and that sort of thing there was a few fears i think that you know obviously um that the sales figures would possibly be slightly down for this year long term i think the night deal was always the right one for liverpool to take but In the short term you did wonder the impact of it so yeah record breaking kit sales 15% up on the home shirt 30% up on the away shirt and Liverpool and and Nike are going to donate 100 kits uh, to local Anfield residents in order to to celebrate that achievement but I think it it just goes to show really the impact that LeBron James and and people like that who've obviously uh, they're obviously Nike athletes they've been wearing these kits and, and giving it that extra exposure and I suppose, transfers as well. Uh, you wonder how much of an impact of the signings of, of Thiago and Jota, particularly Thiago. I think a, a lot of people would have been you know, straight out to the to the shop to buy a, a kit with his name on the back and things like that. So, yeah, obviously, we know Liverpool received more funds as more are sold. And as I say, I think uh, the Thiago and, and the, the Jota decision to go out and, and spend that money on those players potentially could have been impacted by these. Obviously, we know Liverpool... Last week, uh, it was revealed dropped behind both Arsenal and Chelsea in terms of volume of kit sales. The sort of numbers involved here, I suppose, goes to, to show how well those two London clubs are, are doing in that regard. But yeah, Liverpool, very, very happy. Uh, the initial, um, you know, even after a couple of days, the initial uh, things that were told to, to Paul Gost, a Liverpool correspondent from Liverpool, um, Liverpool were, were very much suggesting that they were very happy with the the way things were going. They were... Pleasantly surprised with the uh, the trajectory of the the sales at that time, and it seems like that's continued. So yeah, it's uh, a huge boost, I think, for for Liverpool financially. Um, and yeah, it can only be a good thing, can't it?
1: More kits sold, more players bought was the simple equation I worked out from that, Matt. So if Liverpool fans do want Mbappe next summer, they know what to, to go and do. I am only joking, of course, the kits did seem to have split opinion somewhat, but I have to say I am a, a fan of the home strip, even with the till the trim on it. Anyway, still lots to come this morning here on the Morning Bulletin as we switch our focus to get the latest in Gini Wijnaldum's contract talks. A former Red set to sign for Simeone, and the under-21s given a stark lesson. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. So Matt, Genie Alden, the second and perhaps final instalment of Liverpool's summer transfer saga. This one has rumbled on and on. Of course, he's heading into the final nine months now of his Liverpool contract. Will he sign a new one? The Express this morning have a story on it.
0: Yeah, the uh, Football Insider via The Express suggesting that Wijnaldum has rejected the latest contract offer from Liverpool Football Club. So, I mean, our understanding at this stage, is, as far as I'm aware, is that no talks have taken place with Alham over a new contract since pre-COVID times. So certainly a good few months now, formally at least, that is the case. Uh, there had been some suggestion uh last week or possibly the week before, uh that Jürgen Klopp and, and Genie van Alderman had sort of talks last week about a potential um new contract and, and his situation and his standing within the squad and that sort of thing. But I mean my understanding really of that was more that it was kind of a, a normal, informal chat, which you know Jürgen Klopp will potentially have, you know, two or three times a week with his players, which Possibly had been slightly blown out of, of proportion given, obviously, that the contract situation on the side. It, it sort of felt like people were putting two and two together. A story comes out that, that Klopp and Wijnaldum have, have been having a chat and, and having a talk. You know, It, it wasn't necessarily as formal um, as what people may have thought on that one. So I think it's uh, an interesting story that he's rejected the contract offer. One uh, album, very much happy and, and settled on Merseyside. But it is a strange situation that he hasn't signed a, a new deal yet. So obviously we know his contract will run out um, in just a few months' time at the end of this season. As it stands, he will leave the club. I think that's the most likely uh, scenario at this stage is, is that he plays this season, um, wins whatever he wins with Liverpool and, and then goes out on a high potentially. So, I mean... It, if he doesn't sign a new contract, clock will continue to play him. We've seen that, obviously, already this season. I think his place in the starting eleven for the, the absolute top uh, matches, I think, potentially is most under threat given the arrival of, of Thiago. You'd expect Thiago to come into the team. You'd expect Fabinho and, and probably Jordan Henderson as well to be alongside him for, for all of the the biggest matches as long as everyone is fit and firing. But, of course... You know he's going to be a, a crucial member of the squad. He's going to play a fair bit. Obviously, we know that Fabinho, at this stage, is sort of the the fourth choice centre back, so he's not always going to be a, available to to come into the the team in that position. So, Juan Aldam may well be a, a key player, I think, over the next few months for Liverpool. Anyway, even if on paper he wouldn't get into that first eleven, but yeah, Jurgen Klopp, as I say, will continue to to play him. I don't think. He is expecting him to leave. I'm sti- still expecting Genie Wijnaldum to, to be a Liverpool player in what a couple of weeks' time when the, the transfer window ends on October the 5th. And it's the, the same for, for one or two other players that have been linked with exits as well. I think there's, there's plenty who Liverpool would obviously consider um, letting go, but worth pointing out as well whilst we're, we're on the topic of midfielders, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain being linked with uh, a move to Wolves and, and one or two other places. It's exactly the same as Wijnaldum. I wouldn't expect him to leave. And they're both very much a a part of of Jurgen Klopp's plans for the upcoming season.
1: Yeah, Wijnaldum then, who seemingly wants a long-term deal with Liverpool rejecting a new long-term deal well that's sort of the the wording in the story try and work that one out anyway we've a a couple of quick ones to get through before we are gone here this morning on the bulletin and time to cast the net a bit further and wider than Anfield now as a former Red looks set to uh, be uniting with Diego Simeone and Diego Costa at- Atletico Madrid, Matt, it's uh, one that's been bubbling under for a little while, so it's not the biggest surprise, but what a trio they could make or they are going to make, I suppose.
0: Yeah, obviously, Luis Suarez, uh, about to, to join Atletico Madrid, as you say, is moved to Juventus, uh, fell down over passport issues, I believe. Um, he had to become an Italian national um, because of the number of uh, foreign players, that there is a, a limit over in Italy on on those players. And Juventus had already reached that threshold. So they had to, to find a way for him to sort of uh, become a, a dual uh, passport holder between obviously Uruguay and, and Italy. That obviously fell through and, and didn't happen. So, yeah, he's uh, he's staying in Spain. His salary has been halved. But as you say, uh, what a trio. Suarez, Costa and Simeone. You wouldn't want to, uh, to face Atletico Madrid too often. I don't think it's going to be a, a very difficult task obviously Liverpool saw that themselves last season um but I think obviously with Suarez as well it's a an added bit of uh, a bit of quality I believe Barca didn't want to to sell him to a rival but in the end his agent managed to uh to convince them there was I believe a list of clubs that, that Barcelona said he he wasn't allowed to join Atletico Madrid wasn't on that list and, and suddenly as soon as he said he wanted to go there it, it suddenly appeared on it but uh yeah, it's a good move for him. I think the fact that he can can stay in Spain, I think, is is not a bad thing. He's he's joining a very good manager, a very good team, and I think certainly his uh, style of play will probably uh will fit in there.
1: Yeah, you could say so. Let's hope the Reds steer clear of Atletico in this year's Champions League. They could meet them, incidentally, in the group stage. The draw for that to take place a week on Thursday. The 1st of October. Final one from us today then, Matt. And it was a game you were across last night. Liverpool's under-21s in leasing.com trophy action. I'm pretty sure that's still what it's called. Away to Wigan. And after a bright start, things did turn a bit ugly in the second half for Barry Lutz's boys. Our chief LFC writer Ian Doyle also across this one with a write-up on the Echo.
0: Yeah, well worth checking out uh, Ian's analysis. Obviously, he was was at the game. I was uh, keeping an eye on it from afar. But yeah, Liverpool were 1-0 up at half-time against Wigan Leighton Clarkson. With that goal late on uh, in that first half. But yeah, second half collapse, if you like. It, it finished 6-1 to Wigan. Uh, there was a, a few positives for Liverpool. Obviously, that first half performance, um, very impressive. They were fairly even, I think, for, for most of the game. The scoreline certainly didn't really reflect that the performance for the majority of that match. Abdi Sharif as well making his return it was his first start after uh, a year or so away on the injury sidelines. So yeah there was uh, a few positives to take even though that sort of headline score uh, potentially doesn't look that great. So yeah next up in the the EFL trophy uh, or leasing.com or whatever you want to call it is Tranmere for Liverpool so an even even closer trip for them that's next Tuesday. So it's it's an opportunity really for them to to bounce back obviously liverpool's under 21s as you say playing against you know senior teams i think that was really the the difference obviously that the quality is very much there with liverpool's players but it's just that little bit <clears throat> little bit of uh, experience and and nous and that sort of thing and certainly defensively liverpool were, were lacking that last night so I don't think they were were helped by a few players who were missing. Um Seth Vandenberg, Billy Cometio, neither of them were there. Both of them obviously very much eligible for that match. But it looks like they possibly will both play uh and possibly both start on Thursday for Liverpool's senior team. So obviously that is always gonna be the, the priority rather than playing for, for Barry Lutis and, and the under twenty one. So It was uh, a strange mixture of players Ben Woodburn was there as well he seemingly impressed I think he captained the the team as you'd expect given his experience but yeah it was uh, a mixture of inexperience and and then very much experienced players like Woodburn or certainly experienced relative to to the under 21 level Uh, but yeah very much uh, in need of of a loan I think Ben Woodburn you know you only have to look really at the players who played in that competition for, for Liverpool last year even though Again, I think they lost, um, certainly two or possibly all three of their group matches last season. You know, Harvey Elliott, Nico Williams, Curtis Jones, they all played in that. They all found it incredibly valuable and, and now found themselves in and around that first team setup. So I'm sure if, if Liverpool can have another two or three players next season who have stepped up from playing in this competition into that first team, think of, of Clarkson, as I say, who got the goal, Jake Kane as well, who's, had scored two goals in, in two games from midfield going into that match. Didn't get himself on the, the score sheet last night. But uh, yeah, there, there's still a few names to, to watch out for in that group. And as I say, you can uh, see how they get on next Tuesday. Hopefully they can bounce back and, you know, if not win the game, certainly take a point or, or certainly not lose by quite as many as, as what they did against Wigan, against Tranmere next week.
1: Yeah, certainly. Well, that's all for us for now here on the Morning Bulletin. Keep an eye across the Liverpool Echo throughout the day, including the Daily Transfer blog, rounding up all of the top stories in one place for you. We've also got the link for our twice daily newsletter in the description of this podcast. All it takes is your email address in exchange for our top LFC stories, finding their way directly to your inbox. Also keep across Blood Red's podcast platforms, wherever it is you get your audio on demand, as well as checking out our dedicated podcast Blood Red YouTube channel. But from Matt Addison and myself, Guy Clark, thanks for joining us for the Morning Bulletin. That's all for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.